Hi there, and welcome to the Oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 47, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with collector extraordinaire, Mr. Dustin Babitsky. Hey, I have a pipe collection, but Dustin's collections are something like amazing. Quite often, he shares his collecting prowess with the rest of us by showcasing them at one of the shows, and I love it when people do this because it allows you to see various carvers side by side, or if they're grouped by carver or company, it allows you to get a glimpse as to why this collector has sought out this particular avenue for collecting. Fascinating stuff. No matter how small or how large the collection, I just love to see this stuff. So please let me encourage you to do the same um, if you go to these shows. This podcast is made possible by Quality Briar. Nick does a fantastic job finding high-end gems of the pipe world and bringing them right to you. While there at qualitybriar.com, sign up for the mail list by clicking on the blog tab and scrolling down. That's where you'll also find links to follow Quality Briar via YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. The following podcast was recorded on April 17th, 2013. Sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. On the line with us today, we have collector extraordinaire, Mr. Dustin Babitsky. Dustin, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. You know, I've only seen parts of your collections, uh, the pieces that you bring to shows, which is is nothing less than absolutely jaw-dropping. But let's start with some basic questions about you before we get into your pipe collections. Tell me, who is Dustin Babitsky? Where are you from? How old you are? A little bit about your family, your background, stuff like that. Oh, it's a long story, but no, uh, it's, I'm, uh, I've actually lived in Kansas most of my life. Um, but I took a short stint out right after college and, uh, moved up to Seattle, Washington and lived up there for about 10 years. And that's actually where I got into pipes, but I, I moved out there to take a job working for a gaming company, which, uh, it was kind of funny. I, I heard your, uh, interview with Adam Remington. And uh, he mentioned that yeah. <laughs> I got cracked up. So what what games did you work on up there? Uh, yeah, I actually worked for a company called WizKids. Um, we manufactured Mage Knight, and uh, that was our big one. And then we went into MechWarrior, which took off, and HeroClix, which those two are still around today. Um, the company's actually defunct. Uh, the owner sold it off to Topps Baseball Cards, actually, at the time. And then it all just kind of went downhill after that. But... Miss wow. it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I bet. How cool. That's that's really neat. What do you do right now as as far as occupation? I'm a sales rep. At something I never thought I would do in a million years. I actually work for a clothing company that uh, manufactures clothes for screen printers and embroiderers. And I travel around the Midwest and show the different decorators how to decorate on different fabrics and things. So, totally, totally different occupation than what I started off in and anything I went to school for. And what did you go to school for? Uh, actually, business degree, and I was going to try to major in computers and uh, management information systems, and then just kind of got burned out on it in school and didn't enjoy it, so switched over to a business degree. Wow, very cool. And so what did first get you into pipes in general? You know, it was it's kind of the age-old story of a relative. My I have two of my favorite family members of all time were my grandfather and my great-grandfather, and my Grandpa, he actually smoked cigarettes his whole life and actually passed away of lung cancer in his 50s. And my great-grandfather lived to be an old, old man and smoked a pipe every day of his life. And I had these fantastic memories of him smoking the pipe and the smells and the just going into his house. I loved it. I always loved being around him. And uh, when I was in college, I smoked cigarettes like a banshee and to this day still regret that. I gave them up shortly after college. And when I gave him up, I, I was thinking of my great-grandfather, and, and I thought about it. I thought, you know, he lived to a ripe old age and smoked a pipe, so I could do that. I can give up the cigarettes and switch to pipe and never look back. I've never smoked a cigarette since that day. And what was your first pipe? Do you remember it? I do. I still have it to this day. Do you? Was, what is it? What is it? It's a Savinelli Punto Oro. And where did you pick that up? Uh, it was at Cigar and Tobacco in Kansas City, uh, actually just shortly after my 18th birthday, I was traveling to Kansas City with some of my friends for a, I think it was a Ben Folds 5 concert, if I remember right, <laughs> back in 98. 
And we uh, we drove up there, and I, I stopped at the shop because the guys wanted to get some clove cigarettes. And while they were buying their cloves, I saw this little rusticated pipe that it, it had that bend in it. It was kind of the what I thought at the time was the Sherlock Holmes-style pipe. And I fell in love with it and bought it for about 50 bucks, if I remember right. Very cool. I, uh, I actually was in uh, Lenexa, Kansas for... And that's where about where Cigar and Tobacco is, right? It is. It is. It's right there. And I, w- I was there for a press check, and I uh, did a search. This was years ago. I did a search for um, you know cigar stores around that area, and that's how I found Cigar and Tobacco. And I, I went there. I was doing a, a big envelope check for, uh, I think, gosh, I think it was J.C. Penney at the time. But... Um, Anyway, yeah, that's that's how I stumbled in there one day. So that's that's pretty funny that we both happened to go into that same shop in Lenexa, Kansas. How strange! By accident, and it's such a nice store too. I've always been really impressed with. I mean, even even back in the day, he had tons of pipes, and it just fascinated me to see. He likes a lot of meerschaum, so you know, seeing all the figural pipes and the claws and the dragons, it was so cool back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was nice to be able to find something on my on my uh, business trip. Um, do you remember, um, you know, from that first pipe, how did you segue into more? Like, why didn't you just stop with that one? Oh, it's, it's kind of funny. I, when I bought that pipe, I had looked at the other pipes and I saw, I mean, he had some pipes in there from Tawny that were, you know, $800. And I looked at him and I thought, oh my God, who would ever pay that kind of money for a pipe? That's crazy. This is a nice $50 pipe. And so that was the only pipe I had for three years. That's all I smoked. That one pipe with Dunhill Standard Mixtured Mild. That was the only tobacco I would smoke in that pipe. That was it. And uh, and I told myself, I, I laughed. I was one of those guys that just gave pipe smokers a lot of grief. If they had anything above a $50 pipe, I just was like, why would you blow money on that when I have this wonderful pipe that I got for 50 bucks? You would never need anything better. And uh, and then I when I was in Seattle... I got to meet a lot of members of the Seattle Pipe Club. And this was before tobacco regulation got crazy and the world kind of started looking wild on anybody who lit anything and smoked it. Um, but in, in Seattle, these guys would meet at a tender box, which was pretty near the apartment I lived in. And it was a beautiful tender box with a nice little sandwich shop in it and leather recliners and a big screen TV. And he carried a lot of radice pipes. And... I started looking at these and these were, you know, two, $300 pipes. And the more I listened to these guys talk about their pipes and the more I started seeing what went into it. And then finally got to meet a pipe maker or two out there. Uh, they were just amateurs, but they were showing me what all went into to pipe making. It was pretty amazing. And I got swallowed up into that. And I finally got convinced uh, by the owner of the tender box to buy one of the radiches. He gave me a really good deal on it. He's like, you just, just, just have another pipe, have another pipe. And that was the start of my downfall right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once you start collecting, it's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a wonderful thing that just kind of envelops you. Do you have other collections besides pipes? <laughs> I do. And I don't, um, I've, I've given up a lot. I've, I've always been a collector since I was a little kid. You know, I started with the old baseball cards when I was five years old and, and that developed into cards, and that's actually what brought me into the gaming community is I played a lot of those little collectible card games like Magic the Gathering and, and, and just crazy stuff like that. And that took me out into that industry. And from there, it, because I was in the collectible industry, I kind of got burnt out on it. You, you saw people like doing crazy stuff to get these collections and to, to get one of everything. And I started realizing that this pursuit of having one of everything was really a bad thing because the second that you couldn't have it, it destroyed everything. And we, we learned the hard way in our game industry. Uh, the company that I worked for, we, we manufactured one set of figures that there was only four of them in the world. And we released them out into the public, and there was a big prize. If somebody could get all four of them together in one place, they would win like $1,000 or $5,000. I can't remember what we offered at the time. But doing that promotion actually lost us several thousand customers because people were complaining because their whole goal was to collect one of everything. And they could no longer do that because there was only these four pieces. So only four people in the world could have a whole set, if, if you will. Wow. And, 
Yeah, and, and that kind of blew my mind on collecting. And so I started looking at collecting from a different light. Um, but I've always still been very interested in the collecting mindset and, and the idea of the collector. And so with pipes, I kind of took that on. And, and I love that because every pipe is unique. Even the, even the factory pipes are unique in their own way. So even though you have a collection, there's nobody in the world that has you know, a collection of everything. And that's, that's kind of fun to me. I like that. Do your pipe collections have any specific limits? For example, do you collect both artisan-made pipes as well as company-branded pieces? I do, and I don't. I, I used to be um, really after after I started working with the Tinderbox. There, I started buying Arders. I loved Arders, and I I just thought they were the greatest thing in the world. And uh, and I've always had a soft place in my heart for Savinelli's. So for a while, I collected those two almost exclusively as far as brand pipes. And then over the years now, I've moved more to artisan pipes. And I honestly, I, I still regret this. I don't own a single Ardor anymore. And my original Savinelli is the only Savinelli I still own. So I've, I've kind of moved away from the, from the brand pipes and moved more into the artisan pipes. Um, but I still, every now and then, will pick up. I love old Dunhills and old Barlings and old Kamois. Those, those still have a special place for me. Interesting. Um, if you were to group your collection geographically, what area would likely have more volume, as in number of pipes, not necessarily total value? I would say um, American Carvers is probably my largest category, with Russian Carvers being the second. I'm, I've become good friends with several of the Russian Carvers, and that that took they, – they blow my mind. I, I really think the stuff that they're doing over there is – absolutely amazing and just out of this world so those two have really been my primary focus there really is some wild stuff coming out of russia isn't there oh it is i've i've never seen i mean Rev, uh, michelle revyag and he's to me he's one of my closest friends and he's also just a wonderful man and an amazing pipe carver but he really some of his designs opened up the door for the rest of the russian carvers to just kind of take it on themselves to go wild and create their own world of pipes and i love what they're doing now everybody's taking chances and and putting out stuff that no one else in the world is doing isn't that interesting to see a spark kind of catch fire that way it is it's it's just absolutely fascinating and and to see it run wild too i I really thought at first i was like oh my gosh you know a few of them are going to try it but i don't think every will everyone will and now all of a sudden you see carvers from all over the world emulating that and starting to bring it into the fold and i love that i just i love watching it go do you keep your collections grouped a certain way somewhat i have i have my pipes i smoke regularly and those are kept in a, i've got a nice smoking holsters bag that i carry around with me a lot and i keep those in there pretty much all the time and then uh, my wife for my birthday a few years ago who she's a wonderful, amazing woman who has put up with my hobby. She bought me this nice curio cabinet, and we put it in our bedroom right next to the bed, which I couldn't believe she let me do that either. Um, but it holds uh, the vast majority of my collection sits in there and uh, stays inside there. When you bring a group of your collections to a show, you typically bring like a, a group based on one similarity, like, uh, for example, group that's based on one shape or something like that. Do you collect in the same way? So, for example, um, do you say, yeah, I'm looking for a really great poker right now, or do you just keep an eye out for whatever kind of grabs your attention? No, definitely. Um, I think the thing I've probably, for better or worse, become known for is blowfish. Um, I love blowfish. I'm, at, I'm actually up to 96 in the collection. Now. I have 96 different blowfish in my collection. Um, and that's, that would be the primary shape I collect. I, I do more blowfish than anything else, but I also have a soft spot for calabash, two piece calabashes. I, I adore them. And, uh, I'm also a big fan of the Prince and the Cuddy shape. Both of those, I think just from a smoking characteristic, I think they're two of the best smoking shapes out there. Now, when you say that, um, the blowfish is kind of your, your go-to shape for collecting, do you keep them grouped that way? I do. I do. The blowfish all kind of stay together in the cabinet. I've got a couple shelves that are just all blowfish. Um, and then the rest of my pipes are kind of below that, underneath there, all put together. Um, with the only real exception to that is um, Miger's Nets, who I'm a huge fan of. I have, 
I have about 20 of his pipes, and those all stay together on a little display thing that I built um, just because I like Migers and his stuff all kind of is fun to put together and see. I've got, for the first two years he made pipes, I would buy one of every every 10 pipes he would make, I would buy one. So from his sixth pipe until his 137th pipe, I think it is, I have one of every 10. So I, could, I actually have them set out in a row displaying like the evolution of a pipe carver so you can see like him on his sixth pipe to his 137th pipe it's pretty that's cool. great wow how cool <laughs> i got to sit next to him at a chicago show one time we had tables that backed up uh next to each other and his work just absolutely blew me away just really amazing stuff he's such a fun guy i i absolutely adore him and, and you could meet a nicer man in the world he he's just great do you have a preference for straight or bent pipes, and does that preference change for smoking versus collecting? It does. Um, I personally love bent pipes. I, I drive a lot for my work, and just most of the time I'm doing something when I smoke, whether it's out in the workshop or working on the computer or just reading, um, I like my hands to be kind of free. And I find that straight pipes, when I'm smoking them, if I look down, I tend to dump the pipe out <laughs> and I've burned more than one pair of jeans and pants and ruined them doing that. So I like a good bent pipe that I can drape down and kind of hang it on my chin and let it relax. Um, but you know, if I find a straight pipe, that's just absolutely gorgeous. There's, there's been times I've cracked and bought it. And then, you know, afterwards I go, what was I doing? I told myself I'd stop by those stupid straight pipes, but I keep doing it. <laughs> Do you smoke um, a large amount of the pipes in your collection, or are there pieces that you never smoke, or how do you deal with that dilemma? I am a firm believer that the pipes were meant to be smoked, and I have never purposefully not smoked a pipe. Now, I will say I've got pipes in my collection I haven't smoked, but that's not because I'm not going to ever smoke them. It's just I haven't found the right time and the right tobacco to smoke them yet. I've got a few, two or three of my favorite pipes in my collection haven't been smoked just for that reason because I want to dedicate one tobacco f- to them forever, and I still don't know which tobacco that's going to be. <laughs> How has your collection changed over the years? And and I know that you've gone from having a single pipe for, say, three years to uh, working on, on your collection that was basically company-branded pipes um, and then more towards artisan pipes. But besides that, have you have you seen big shifts as far as um, gosh, I used to have a lot more in number and then it waned and then I decided to get back into it and buy more or, 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 you know, anything like that. Absolutely. There's been, there's been two major shifts I would say in my collecting habits. Um, the first is when I first came into the fold and, and, uh, really getting involved with the Seattle pipe club up there and knowing those guys, um, everybody admired straight grain and, uh, listening to Fred Hanna, you know, I mean, the man has the most amazing straight grain collection I've ever seen. And I was, I was amazed by it and I became kind of obsessed with it. So I would look for pipes with flame grain and straight grain and anything that just had that look to it. Really, I became obsessed with it. Nowadays, I honestly, it was about two, three years ago, I really stopped caring about flame grain and straight grain. They didn't do anything for me. Um, I've, I've, in fact, it's very seldom that I will buy one unless I just find one that strikes me. I love bird's eye. And to me, a good pit free bird's eye is one of the hardest things to achieve. And I I just, I love cross grains, anything that shows off a good display of bird's eye. So that was my first shift is switching from the straight grains to the more cross grains and bird's eye um, views. But then uh, the second was really that bent shift too. When I started going to, now I'm all about comfort and engineering, I think I look at stems more than I look at pipes anymore. Um, how it fits in the mouth, how it feels, and how the pipe maker paid attention to the engineering, to me, will sell a pipe to me easier than beautiful grain. And do you ever sell pipes from your collection? It's so hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. I, I very rarely do. I've, I've got a couple of great friends here in the area and uh, uh, Ethan Brandt, who I think you've met before, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ken Davis, both really great collectors. And 
they've both had several pipes of mine that they would love to get. And I've, I've promised them that, you know, if I ever sell it, you'll be the first ones I call, but it's really hard to let go of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the, the factory pipes were easier for me. Once I, once I sold my favorite one, Bruce Weaver gave me advice one time that I think is probably the best advice I ever got was if you're thinking about selling part of your collection, pick your favorite one and sell it. Because once you've sold your favorite one, the rest of them are really easy from that point on. <laughs> so, and, and I heard, actually, I think it was Chris Morgan the other day, he told me, Bruce told him the same thing. There was, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Chris. It might not have been somebody else. But um, I've heard him tell that to other people as well. And I do think it's great advice because it was amazing. After I got rid of my first, my favorite ardor, selling the rest of the ardors was really easy. So, Do you see your collection or any part of it as investment strategy for the future? Because... I know there's plenty of work out there to be flipped, both short-term and long-term, that if you know where to enter the market, this can be extremely profitable. I've never entered it like that, and I've never really gone after a pipe as an investment potential. But I will say, I, I do agree. I think part of my problem is because I smoke them, I automatically just have to know that if I'm going to smoke a pipe, half the value is going to be gone right out the door there. So, yeah... Because I go into that view, I never really think of it as an investment strategy. But I know getting on the, in on the ground door, I, I, I bought one of uh, Misha Revyagin's first pipes that he ever sold in the U.S. And uh, I bought some of Miger's early work. And even I have an old Conowitz and uh, a couple other pipes that are older that have now appreciated in value that are worth far more than what I paid for them. And, and it's kind of nice, even though I've smoked them, I think I could still sell them for, well, more than I paid for them. But... When I purchase the pipes, I kind of I go into it thinking, yeah, this is it's not going to be something that's really going to be worth a ton more. But I try to also work with makers who I know hold the value of their pipes. So I know when I buy a pipe from, you know, for instance, Bruce Weaver, if I buy a pipe for six hundred bucks and I smoke it for five or six years, most likely there's going to be somebody else out there that would be willing to pay close to what I paid for it. So I'm never going to lose big money on the pipes. Mm-hmm. But I, do, I never go into it trying to gain money. Interesting. Um, if you don't mind my asking, what would you say is the piece that you currently have that contains the most worth, monetarily speaking? Monetarily speaking, um, it's close. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you two pieces because I really don't know monetarily which one of the two is, is the most valuable. Um, the first one is a pipe by Kai uh, Goto and Tom Eltang. It's a collaboration they did a couple of years ago, the Gotang pipe that was their first uh, attempt at a reverse calabash. And one of my good friends was over in, uh, happened to be at Tom's shop at the time that they did them, and he picked out the one with the best grain for me. And that one I'm probably... I would say it probably has the most monetary value. Number one, I've never smoked it and, and uh, haven't found the right time to smoke it yet. But So that's probably still holding its value. But also it's just a really rare pipe. And, and I know Kai Goto's work sells for crazy amounts of money nowadays. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. The other one is also my favorite pipe in my collection. And it's by Love and Sarah Geiger from Sweden. It's... I swear it's the most beautiful blowfish I think that's ever been carved, but it was one of their Yggdrasil grade uh, pipes, which I think they've only made like six of those in the history of the company. And it was such a beautiful piece. And it was one actually uh, I, I assumed was sold. Uh, Love had it sold to a Chinese dealer. And I told him, I was like, wow, I'd love to have that in my collection, but I don't think I could ever afford it. And he and Sarah called me and offered me a great price on it, offered to work with me on it. And, and they wanted to have it in the Blowfish collection. And I, I've never been so honored by a pipe maker contacting me before than that. That was that was huge. And it's still my favorite pipe. Very cool. Wow. That is, uh, that's awesome. That's a great story. How about sentiment? Which piece holds the most sentimental value to you? That one is close. That, I mean, that, that one has a lot of sentiment just because they contacted me on it. Um, the oh, There's two others really that I, I think probably the most sentimental to me is a Levat that Bruce Weaver did. <laughs> he, he's, he tells everybody that I did it. It's, it's a lie. He did the vast majority of the work. I went to his workshop uh, for a couple of days just to hang with him, and he's such a wonderful man. 
But I, I wanted to learn more about pipe making and to kind of hone my skills on that. And so he sat me down and actually went through start to finish with a block of briar I had brought him um, and made a, a beautiful long stem lavat. And he showed me the whole process. And he would let me, you know, pick it up every now and then and run it through the sander and do a little shaping on it. But for the vast majority of the work, he did all the work. And then at the end, he stamped my name on it and, and uh, you know, didn't charge me anything for it. And so sentimentally, it's probably, you know, it just meant a lot that he would do that and take the time out of his schedule to do that for me. He lost two days of production just, you know, spending time hanging with me. And that meant a world. I mean, it was one of the sweetest things that he would ever done. And he's, he was so much fun. He, he and I became good friends after that. Wow. How cool. That's, that's definitely, um, uh, you know, a real treat to, to not just uh, hang out with, with a carver, but uh, to have him, you know, show you step by step and, and let you be a part of the process. And nonetheless, the great Bruce Weaver. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I love that. What a great guy he is. I love Bruce. <laughs> He is. He is. For uh, someone who's just starting to collect pipes, what kind of advice would you give them? You know, the first thing I would say is ask other people. Um, For instance, cigar and tobacco. We actually had a really great time a couple of weeks ago. I was up at that shop in Lenexa, and uh, a new pipe smoker walked in and was he saw us all smoking and he came over and he asked us for some help. He said he wanted to take up pipe smoking, but he didn't know what kind of pipe to buy. And my first advice to him was if you live in an area with a pipe shop, get to know the people around there and go ask them if they carry estate pipes. Because I am amazed going around the United States and going into pipe shops and looking at their estate cabinets, the things that you can find for 25 to $50 are amazing at, and we even did it i i'm i'm guilty of that i don't look often enough in the estate pipes at local shops and we walked over there with him and, and pulled out the estate pipe uh, box from cigar and tobacco and there was an old dunhill in there and an old i think it was a either a pre-transition barling or an old uh kamoi blue Rabon, uh, blue Rabon pipe but it was marked like 35 dollars and there was nothing wrong with, oh, no, it was a Kamoi specimen straight grain. That's what it was. And uh, there was literally one tiny little pit on the bottom of the pipe that you would never see had we not looked in it with a little eyeglass. And he bought that thing for $35. And I think every single person sitting at that table was dumbfounded all looking at each other like, did you know that was in there? Did you know that was in there? Oh, my God. Wow. How cool. But, yeah. Estate pipes are fantastic. Even eBay uh, is great. But – the other advice that I would give for collectors starting out to you is smoke what's comfortable. Don't go for looks and craziness up front. Get what's comfortable in your mouth. Ask, ask them if you can put it in your mouth and try it on before you buy it. And get something that feels comfortable to you. Because if you don't like the pipe, it's going to smoke bad. It doesn't matter. I think so much of smoking is in our heads that unless you're comfortable with the pipe and you like it and you're proud of it, you're not going to enjoy the smoke that it delivers. You have to be, you have to enjoy the feel and the comfort of it first. And then the smoking is the second characteristic. Then it's going to come to you. What avenues do you use for collecting? What sites and dealers do you like to keep up with? You know, I use a lot. Um, number one, I, I work with a lot of pipe makers directly. I like doing that. Um, but my favorite dealer in the whole world is Nick Miller at Quality Briar. I, I bet a good third of my collection has been bought from him in the last three, four years. Uh, uh, the man's amazing. I've, I've, I respect him as a dealer and all, I, I consider him a friend as well. But I think the thing that fascinated by me by him and, and really made me fall in love with him is about six months into buying from him. I, I was fortunate. I had a really good run with, run with work and I had made some extra money and I was buying some pipes up like I really shouldn't have been. And he got a, a Kurt Ballaby in. It was like $2,000. And at this point, I had still never bought a pipe that was over 600 bucks. I think that was the most expensive I had ever bought from him. And I had just gotten this big bonus check from work. And I'm like, oh, man, I could buy that $2,000 Kurt Ballaby. That's going to be awesome. And I called Nick up and I was like, man, I just saw that. You just posted it. I want it. I want it. And Nick was like, no, you don't. No, he said. You're you're going to regret this. If I do this and I sell you this pipe, 
you're you're starting out here. You're you know six hundred bucks is the most you've ever spent. Like I really don't think you want to spend this much money on it. And he just said, stop and think. He said, I'll sell it to you if you want me to, but you don't want to do this right now. There's better pipes. You know, you uh, you could spend your money and get two or three other pipes that you will enjoy and you won't feel bad tomorrow for spending $2,000. He's like, this is an amazing pipe. It's beautiful, but you're not ready to spend $2,000 on a pipe. And he was right. He was absolutely right. It was the craziest thing I was about to do. And I, I have appreciated that. Ever since he did that, I was like, you know what? He's the dealer for me. He's fantastic. Wow, that's great. Yeah. How cool that, that he knows uh, his customers so well. He does. I, I, he asks a lot of questions and researches what you like, what you don't like. And that's what, that's what I love about him. And, and I've even had him contact me before when I, I saw him. Uh, I, I watch his YouTube channel and see what all he's uploading in his Facebook and and I'll see a pipe on there and I say, oh, man, I really like that. I'm, I'm thinking about buying that. And he'll, he'll, I've heard him say before, you know, like, oh, you know, I, I've got a guy that I think is really going to love this. I think it's perfect for him. Let me call him first and make sure that he's not going to want it. And then, you know, if you want it, then I'll, I'll hook you up. So he's really cool like that. He's, he's buying pipes from the, the, the pipe makers and, you know, keeping his customer base in mind too, you know, buying specifically for them. So I love that. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's very good. What kind of customer service? Is yeah. that, you know, amazing. You don't get that anywhere. It's amazing. Amazing. And, and I have to throw props out there, too. I, I think the other dealer that I love is Pear Bill Hall from Scan Pipes. Great guy. Fa- absolutely fantastic guy. And he's, he's customer service-wise, I think he's on par with Nick. Nick's, Nick's amazing, so I, I, there's nobody that's quite as good as him. But I think if there's anybody else even close, Pear Bill Hall's fantastic. Very cool. Do you ever request commissions to fill a gap in a collection yeah, I I do a lot of commission work. That's about I would say nowadays and and I guess it's another switch in my collecting habits. Nowadays about 90% of the pipes I purchase are commissioned. Um I I've gotten a little pickier in what I want and what I don't have and I I try to look for stuff that's unique and I I think I have more fun collaborating with the artist and and letting them get creative and giving them kind of a background of what I'm thinking and then turning them loose on it. And I've had way better results than that. I, every time I see a lot of dealer sites, I mean, Nick's fantastic because he'll get stuff that he knows I'll love. But a lot of the other dealer sites, the stuff is, they, they tend to go pretty safe, you know, with your standard Lavats and things like that. And I've, I've got plenty of standard shapes. I like something a little bit more creative and a little bit more out there. And I think working directly with a pipe maker, you're allowed to do that and you can get get a little bit more fun out of that yeah i think the loose commission really allows the uh the carver to go ahead and inject their their own ideas and artistic uh bent you know on on what's being asked for and and i, I think that's a great idea it really does i've i've never i mean I, I bet the best pieces in my collection vast majority of them all came from stuff like that where i called somebody and i just said hey i love your work i I'd love you to make me a two-piece calabash, but I want you to make it the funkiest two-piece calabash you've ever made. And the stuff that I've gotten from that has been ten times better than anything I could have planned for or drawn out on paper. And I, I love I love seeing what happens. And what a cool surprise, too, you know? Oh, it is, it is. Once you get it, you're just like, wow, oh my gosh, would have never thought that. Very cool. Um, you know, there are plenty of collectors out there, but not many are willing to lug their gems to, to shows to display like you do. I really appreciate that, that you share your collections this way with the community. And, you know, it kind of gives us all a chance to see a whole lot of work that we'd never be able to see otherwise. It's also really wonderful to see lots of different carvers' works side by side. At what point did you decide that you needed to ensure your collection <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Um, it, partially, first of all, thank you for noticing that because that, to me, that's what I enjoy about pipe collecting is sharing them. I, I don't care whether I have a pipe or somebody else has a pipe. I've never been like that that jealous pipe person. I think that pipes are out there to be appreciated and to be seen, and I, I think the pipe makers want their pipes to be seen. Um, and with that. I think it's so important that when you buy a pipe, if you if you have this beautiful pipe, to show it to people and get out there and 
take pictures of it, put it on the internet. I love forums online where you can where you can share them when when you you know you don't live near enough to to share it with a pipe club. Putting them up online and sharing it with the world is so cool because I I love them to be seen. I hate when a I see, you know, a group of pipes get shipped off to another country and they never show up again and you never hear from them again. It just kills me. And that's what that's what drives me to the shows is, you know, I I don't want, you know, Trevor Talbert to make this beautiful pipe and then have it hide away on my shelves where no one can see it. I want people to be able to pick it up, touch it, feel it and and really really play with it and see it. And that's what the shows are all about. And my wife is the one who um, encouraged the insurance because she used to work in the insurance field. And it was right before Chicago last year, uh, the Chicago Pipe Club had asked me to bring my blowfish collection and display it. And my wife looked at me and said, okay, you're going to drive 13 hours with that collection in the back of the car. And if you get in a wreck, that collection's not insured. (laughs) And that's when I said, oh, you're right. We should probably look at that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yep. I, you know, I I feel better knowing that you've insured your collection. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, is I honestly, I, I fought it for a little bit because I thought, you know, even if even if the car got totaled and all the pipes got destroyed, like I don't think money would make me feel any better. I, it's that loss. It, it'd be like you know somebody burning a fine piece of art. I, I like Salvador Dali. And if you burned one of his old Don Quixote paintings, it's like no amount of money can replace that. It's yeah. sort of original. And that's what I that's the hard thing with pipes is they are originals and you just the idea of them getting destroyed is just horrible to me. But but at the same time my wife made a good argument and said, Yes, but at least you'd have money. <laughs> you wouldn't be completely <laughs> out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> do you have a favorite STEM material? I do. Uh, ebonite, for sure. I, I love the feel of ebonite um, on my teeth. I think it's one of the most comfortable materials. Um, I kind of like Bakelite. Uh, Todd Johnson and uh, a couple of the other pipe makers, uh, Bruce Weaver uses it too. And I, I like it. It's not as comfortable as ebonite to me, but I like it. But Lucite and uh, some of these new like polyester-based stems and things, just uh, they don't feel comfortable to me. They feel too hard and too firm. So I, I don't draw any comfort from them. I've actually I've, I've had a couple of beautiful pipes offered to me in the last few years uh, for trades and and things that I would have I would have taken the pipe in a heartbeat. But when I ask if I and this is why I, I tell new collectors to you know see if you can put it in your mouth and try it on. The second I put it on my teeth, it felt just like a rock rubbing on my teeth, and I was like, oh no, no, can't do that, can't do that. I remember um, working in Todd Johnson's studio and seeing a little tiny blowfish he was working on. And thinking, what a cool little pipe, because I'm just a sucker for small pipes. <laughs> and I remember wondering where that little treasure would end up. And then years later, I saw it in your blowfish display. And it was just so cool to see that little pipe again. You know, we were just talking about the, those things resurfacing. You know, I never thought that I would see that pipe again. And it was like seeing, like, the same wild animal another time, totally by chance, like, in a different area, you know? <laughs> totally. That's oh, that's one of my favorite little pipes. I love that thing. Oh, man. When I saw it, I was like, holy cow, that thing is just amazing. He's like, yeah, I, I, I think I know who's going to get this one. And uh, and sure enough, man, it 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 ended up in your blowfish collection, and it, what a what an amazing little pipe that is. But I, at any rate, just to get back to the idea of, of you sharing your collection with people – you know, I would have never seen that pipe again had you not shared that with with the world when you bring your your work to shows. You know. Well, thank you. I I do. I I just I think that that's so important to get them out there because I don't want them to be bottled up on a shelf, and you can only smoke so many pipes at a time. So it's nice to get them out there and let people see them and enjoy them for what they were meant to be. And I, I consider it kind of like going to a museum. You get to see some neat art when you go out there, and that's what I love about the Chicago show. And all the pipe shows really is you get to go around and see everybody else's collections. And to me, it is. It's like going to these beautiful museums in London and you get to see the best artist in the world all out there on display. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope that um, more and more people um, will start bringing their collections to, to shows. I think it's a fantastic idea. Do you have a uh, favorite tobacco right now? I do. I uh Honestly, my favorite tobacco has not changed in years. I love McCraney's Red Ribbon. I uh, it's just my go-to staple. I think it's one of the most fantastic 
every year, every every crop that they've done, I think has been wonderful. So that's my go-to Virginia. Um, and then for Englishes, I usually go for um, Blue Mountain. Huge, huge fan of that one. And my secret one, which I should not say on the air because nobody smokes it and it's in ready supply, but Syrian Star from McClellan's is seriously the best English I've ever had in my life. And it's nobody ever does it. It's, it's really not a huge seller as far as, you know, on the grand scheme of things for them, but God, I love it. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to check that out now. <laughs> Definitely good. I'll have some in Chicago. So you're welcome to try. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Um, name a few pipes in your regular smoking rotation that get more use than others. Um, <laughs> number one is the Revyagin Nautilus. I smoke that all the time, <laughs> pretty much any time I have a chance to, I smoke it. I, that's one of my favorite smoking pipes and honestly one of the best smokers I've got. Um, so that one's, that one would be number one. Um, I have a strawberry wood cutty from Bruce Weaver that I smoke quite religiously as well. Um, it's just a great, great feeling pipe and a great smoker. Um, and then see on Englishes. Those both, those I both spoke Virginian, and then I have two English smokers that are absolutely phenomenal. One of them was by uh, Jonas Rosengren, who I met for the first time at Chicago last year. He's a Swedish pipe maker who's absolutely phenomenal for being a younger, newer pipe maker. He's got massive chops. I mean, the stuff he's done is just phenomenal, and uh, it's a little blowfish and, and smokes great. And then a, another young carver named Grant Batson. Uh, made me a blowfish he calls the uh, uh, tormented blowfish and it's a bent pipe that fits on my chin it's one of those just you put it in your mouth and you don't even feel that it's there and that's that's my favorite english smoker right there grant has some some great work doesn't he wow he's i am just so blown away by his work every time he shows me some new pipe i if i was a millionaire it'd be hard for me not to just buy pipes from him on a weekly basis. If I had the money, I'd do it because he's, he's on par with some of the greats and he's only been doing it for two years or a year and a half, something like that. He's just amazing. Yeah, he really is. He's, he's going to be in a uh, upcoming podcast, so stay tuned. Awesome. Tell me about Briar Portrait Gallery and let the listeners know how they can access it and what gave you the idea to start it. Sure. Um, Briar Portrait Gallery is a, it's just a website I made. Um, oh, I guess it was earlier this year. I've been working on it for a long time, but finally got it up and running about uh, six months ago. Um, but it's just at www.briarportraitgallery.com. And the whole idea behind it was kind of what we talked about earlier with sharing the collection at the shows. Um, I knew I wasn't always going to be able to haul the Blowfish collection out. And I was after Chicago, I got tons of emails saying, hey, have you ever thought of publishing you know, a book with your collection in it? I'd love to see the pictures close up. I'd, I'd like to see more about the collection. And so I, I got a nice camera and took some photography lessons. And, and I still, uh, my wife's been trying to get me to go up to the college and take some more lessons. Um, but I just did most of them online. And it's been fantastic. I just decided I'd start taking pictures and I learned to do some photo editing and and then I got uh, into digital art and creating like oil paintings and things like that. And so that's what spawned the idea of the Briar Portrait Gallery is I thought, you know what, it'd be fun to make like kind of oil paint portraits of some of these pipes. And uh, I wanted to still share the original photography as well. So the entire site is basically a place where I can load up images of different pipes from all over the world, put photography in there, and then also do some art artistic render uh, renderings of them as well. And that's how it all started. Um, from there, it's kind of gotten wild from there. We started a blog and uh, have been writing some articles on, on different things. And uh, now we're getting ready to unveil a big new project for Chicago that's been several months in the works. And I'm almost done. One more week and I'll be done with it. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about this big project you've been working on that you're going to spring at the Chicago show? Uh, yeah, we could, we could do that. This will be the... This will be the uh, Umpal podcast exclusive. Nobody knows about this yet. So, um, I excellent. I love this. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, being in, I, I work in the promotional products industry, and uh, this actually was 
a conversation with my customer. I had been telling them about the whole pipes and, and they had seen my site and they really liked it. And one of them was like, well, man, you should do some promotional products. I thought, well, no, I don't want to get that crazy. And then he goes, well, think about stuff that uh, uh, pipe people would like. And I thought, you know, maybe a nice vest or a T-shirt or something that would be fun. And then I went into Cigar and Tobacco one day and they have about 10 tables sitting in there. And on those tables, seven of the 10 tables had people playing cards at them. And I'm looking down going, oh my God, how cool would it be to do a pipe card deck? And that's where it started. And from that point on, I, that was my goal is I was going to make and publish a card deck. And uh, luckily I had some contacts that had worked with Bicycle and Jamaco and a couple other big card manufacturers. And over the course of the last six months, um, I was able to partner up with them and they're actually producing me a card deck. I, I designed and laid them all out and did the photography um, with 54 different pipes. And I tried to actually do 54 different pipes by 54 different pipe makers, but a couple of my favorites got snuck in there twice. Uh, uh, Michael Reviagan and Trevor Talbert, I think, made it in there a couple times. But um, I scoured all of my friends and, and uh, borrowed pipes from them and took pictures. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an actual playing card deck um, that's professional, like casino-quality playing cards. And they're going to be packaged in a 10. Um, I'm a big fan of nostalgia. So I'm actually tinning the cards and the back of the cards actually looks like tobacco. So when you open the tin, it'll look like there's tobacco inside the tin. Uh, so it's going to be a fun project. I'm, I'm hoping that it takes off. I hope people enjoy it. And uh, the fun thing is now that I've done all the work, uh, they've kind of agreed to let me have free reign on making other card decks as well. So my hope is if this one takes off, then someday I might make you know a blowfish deck that just has blowfish and um, I think my favorite dream is a poker poker deck where it's 54 pokers on <laughs> poker cards. <laughs> That's great. Wow, how cool, man. I'm I'm really excited to see these now. Oh, Very thanks, cool. man. I, I hope everybody likes them. I, I think it'll be fun and different. You know, I, I love I, – I, I always buy Greg Pease's calendar that he does every year. I love the the, the calendar. It's just beautiful. And, and we've got a couple people here in Kansas City that publish calendars. But I've got, God, I bet I've got six pipe calendars hanging in my house. And I was like, man, i got to do something besides a calendar. I don't want to copy everybody else. <laughs> well, that's a great idea. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, picking up at, at least a couple of those decks. That's very, very cool. How neat. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think those are going to be a huge hit. I, I hope that, uh, man, you're just going to be pretty busy selling those, I have a feeling. So those are going to be at the Chicago show this year? They will. They'll be at the Chicago show this year. I, I actually just talked to uh, Craig from Chicago a couple weeks ago, and he got me a table. I didn't know I was going to have them ready in time, and now that I know, I'm excited and I'm sad at the same time because that means I'm going to have to sit at my table and I'm not going to get to go roam around a lot. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it'll be fun. That is very cool. Um, are you going to be bringing any of your collection to this show, this coming up Chicago show, or any other show this, this year? I am. I'm going to bring several pieces. I'm not going to bring the whole thing to this show because um, we're going to need the table space. But I am. I'm going to bring all the all the digital stuff, and I'm also going to bring a, a kind of a computer monitor display that'll have the whole collection running. You know, on digital digital photography wise. And then I'll probably bring about fifty or seventy five pipes, depending on how many I can get in the car. Um, once I see how much room all these poker decks take up in my car, that'll be the the big killer. <laughs> Right. But I'm going to bring those, and then I'm also sharing my table um, with Miger's nets, and so I'm going to be bringing my Miger's pipes so that he can set them on the table, and uh, he needed needed a table and had some pipes ready for Chicago, so I told him he could hang out with me, and so I'll, I'll have my Miger's collection on display there, too. Do you have any idea uh, what you'll be looking for at the show this year? I do. Um, this year's going to be interesting. I've uh, we were talking earlier about the Blowfish collection, and I'm at pipe number 96. So I told myself that pipe number 100 is going to be the kind of white whale of my collection. I, I love Blowfish, but I still do not have a pipe by the founder of the Blowfish, Lars Everson. And so this is the year I'm going to begin the hunt for the white whale because I want... <laughs> But the the hundredth blowfish has to be a Lars. So once I hit blowfish ninety nine, until I buy a Lars, I'm not gonna be able to buy any more blowfish. So. Yeah, yeah. 
So I got to get sure. on it. So that's my main goal is to to either get to to talk to Lars a little bit about doing that, or to uh, I'm going to keep my eyes out for an estate one because that might save me a ton of money. And Lord willing, I'll find some that somebody has smoked the crud out of and charred the rim, so I can smoke it and enjoy it myself and not feel bad about it. But Very that's cool. my that's my main goal. And then Grant Batson is actually uh, delivering a custom order uh, to the show uh, based on Jekyll and Hyde. And I am. Um, I've seen pictures. He posted some pictures on his Instagram, and I'm geeking out. I can't wait to see those in person. That's going to be fun. Excellent, excellent, very cool. I didn't know you were on Instagram. What's your What's your handle over there? You know, I just did it as Dustin Babitsky. I haven't done anything with Instagram though. That's the sad thing. I've I've done all this art online and all my photos online, but I haven't posted a single Instagram. So I need to get on that and start doing it. Yeah, you do. You certainly do. That's a, it's a lot of fun, and anybody else who is uh, listening, you can follow me at OliPS3 on Instagram. So yeah, uh, post some post some stuff, man, and and uh, look me up on there, and and I look forward to seeing all the different stuff that you post. It was actually you, um, and and I gotta say for everybody who's listening, watch Oli's because seriously, you will see when he does some cool monstrosities. You all know how it is. You got to act fast to get the really, really cool ones because they come and everybody's jumping on them. And I got lucky the other day. That new monstrosity you put out, I fell in love with. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because of Instagram. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the Flora Cambriana, man, those are just so much fun. And I had such a, a good time with them, yeah. And, and as soon as number one was out there in Instagram world, uh, I got that little message saying, hey, man, I need to get that one. So I really appreciate that, buddy. Oh, no, I appreciate it, man. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it in person. It just looked absolutely stunning. Very cool. Well, um, Dustin, man, it's been great to talk to you today, buddy. I I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your schedule to hang out and chat for a bit. Oh, man, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. All right, man, we'll take it easy. You too, man. You take care, and we'll see you in Chicago. And that was my chat with collector extraordinaire, Mr. Dustin Babitsky. What a great guy. Just super nice. And man, does he have a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world of pipe making. That guy is out in front. He's like a a talent scout. And his collections, they're just a pleasure to view. I am more than honored to have my work collected by Mr. Babitsky alongside some of the greatest pipe makers um, that are out there. It's just uh, a, a real pleasure, and it's just great to know him. What a good friend. You heard him say it. He's wild about the service he receives from the supporter of this podcast, Mr. Nick Miller over at Quality Briar. Go check out qualitybriar.com and see what kind of beauty you can find. Exceptional pipes, exceptional service. That's qualitybriar.com. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. This is Oli for Oompal.com, wishing you very good luck snagging a unique gem for your personal collection with the strategy and accuracy of collector extraordinaire, Mr. Dustin Babitsky. <laughs>